you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the world. In the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. The CEOs, authors, thought leaders, visionaries, and motivators. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, folks. It's Voss here from the ChrisVossShow.com. The ChrisVossShow.com. Welcome to the big show, my family and friends. As always, we welcome you into the warm and tender arms of the Chris Voss Show family, the Chris Voss Show podcast family, that is. Uh, you, you're not welcome in my family, just the podcast family, because have you seen the people I'm related to? Anyway, go, you, if you haven't, then uh, you can go out on a journey with me to the family uh, with the family. Uh, family outings or what do they call them the family get-togethers you know you've been there you've seen that we're all gonna be doing it in, in uh, thanksgiving so no i'm not inviting you over for thanksgiving dinner but you are part of the chris Foss show podcast family which welcomes everyone uh the family that loves you but doesn't judge you at least not as harshly as your mother-in-law and she's nice i mean you really need to work on yourself so do that but we have an amazing gentleman on the show who will help you work on yourself and become an incredibly better person and he knows i of course have a lot of work to do to that in fact i'm just barely getting started as everybody knows after 15 years uh but as always we're putting out two or three shows a day we turn 15 in two days and uh turn 15 wow i just feel old now i got a sudden thing that came over me um and uh we're approaching 1500 to 1600 episodes what more do you want from me people come on man uh subscribe the show and and uh tell your friends neighbors or relatives to 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 sign up and subscribe and join like d- what do i gotta do put a party hat and dance naked for you people Anyway, that's the OnlyFans on Chris Foss, uh, so watch for that soon. Uh, anyway, guys, go to goodreads.com forward slash Chris Foss, youtube.com forward slash Chris Foss, things we make up in the ramble. Uh, go to uh, TikTok uh, forward slash Chris Foss 1, and, uh, you know, every place elsewhere over there. Uh, today we had an amazing gentleman on the show, and and uh, in, I, of course, am not that amazing gentleman because I'm not a gentleman, but he is. Lion Goodman joins us on the show today, and he's going to be talking to us about his amazing work and insights that's going to make your life better and improve the quality of it. And God knows we all need it, especially me. Lion Goodman is a professional certified coach, and uh, he's a transformational coach, I should specify. He's an author and a teacher. He created the Clear Beliefs Method of Trauma-Informed therapeutic coaching which he teaches to coaches healers and therapists around the world the clear beliefs coach training is accredited by the international coaching federation and association for coaching with more than 600 graduates in 45 countries around the world his first career was in executive search and executive coaching where he helped corporate executives and business leaders with their careers and team development. He sought workshops and trainings from around the world and has authored five books, including Creating on Purpose, Clear Your Clients, Limiting Beliefs, and Men Lightenment. I think that's for fat men. He's trying to lighten them. Is that what that is? No, I'm just kidding. That's probably not what it is. Welcome to show, Lion. How are you? Thank you, Chris. Happy anniversary. Happy 15th birthday. Uh, you know, you're finally an adolescent. That's really uh, yeah. We're okay. finally a legitimate podcast, I guess, <laughs> after all these years and 1,500 episodes. Uh, so, welcome to the show. Give us your .com so people can find you on the interwebs. 
Sure. Uh, LionGoodman.com is my personal website with connections to everything. And my training website for people who want to learn from me is ClearBeliefs.com. There you go. And you've written a lot of books. We're going to be talking about uh, the latest book that you have out uh, that we're going to be plugging away. Um, give us the title of that book, if you would. Sure. It's Clear Your Clients' Limiting Beliefs. And it's for anyone who has clients, consultants, managers, therapists, healers, uh, judges, you know, whoever, whoever has people uh, under their wing that they want to help. Uh, this process is a way of clearing what's in their way so they can move forward faster and better. There you go. Now, is this targeted coaches or you know, people like me who consult and have clients that sometimes I feel like I, you know, maybe need to give them an adjustment? Well, everyone who has clients has problems with their clients because people aren't perfect. And what usually gets in their way is stuff from the past. And so our goal is to clear the stuff from the past so that it's not holding people back anymore. Resistance, blocks, barriers, old traumas from the past. So whoever, whoever your clients are, they've got stuff in their way, whether they're very successful executives or people on the street or people in the hospitals. If you've got clients, this process will help. There you go. What if I'm the one giving my clients uh, trauma? <laughs> then, anyway. then you have to come to me to uh, to get your stuff cleared out. There you go. Get, get me fixed first. So uh, give us a 30,000 overview of what you do and everything in your words and maybe some of the things that people are going to find in this book or your other books too. You know, Feel free to plug away. Sure. Uh, first of all, my specialty is beliefs. What are they? Where do they come from? How do they accumulate? And how do we get rid of them more mm. Thing because everybody knows about limiting beliefs, but most people think of beliefs as a mental construct, you know, like um, I believe in less government, or I believe in more government, or I believe in Santa Claus. Uh, these are mental constructs. But what I found in my 40 years of research is that beliefs are actually much deeper and much broader than that. They are the infrastructure of the mind. And you think of infrastructure, you think of pipes underground that come up into your house and deliver water and take away the, the poop. So uh, so th that's what the infrastructure of the mind is. It's like the mind is made of beliefs in the same way that the brain is made of neurons. There you go. So we work with that structure in the psyche, which is mostly subconscious. You know, we have about 10% of our awareness is at the conscious level. Most of it, 90% or more, is driven by the subconscious level. And that's what drives our behavior. It's what drives our reactions to other people. It drives our motivations. And it also drives wherever we get stuck. Mm -hmm. So our process is a way of going to the core. What is the cause of the stuckness? And over that 40-year period of research, I developed a methodology that goes in very quick, quickly and clears it completely from the psyche. There you go. Different. So basically those pipes of poop get stuck. Yes. So you got to have a Roto-Rooter come in <laughs> exactly. like yourself and exactly. clean them out. We are the Roto-Rooter service of the mind. Yes. There you go. <laughs> Nobody's called us that yet. Explains, explains, that. <laughs> there you go. There's a new tagline for your brand. Explains why people have told me I'm full of shit. Or I got a brain full of shit. And one of those two. We all, um, we all have the same issues. Uh, from I, I'm past. trying to excel at having more than others. It's a it's a it's a competition for me. So somebody's got to be number one. You know, I'm trying, but evidently there's some politicians that are ahead of me, so they seem to always be winning with being full of shit. But yes. there's still time. I can run for office next week or something. I don't know. Uh, you know, you always meet people. There's an old line from what was that old bit from uh, George Carlin? You know, 
you, you walk around and you yeah, that person's full of shit anyway enough of the shit jokes uh, be, uh so uh let's uh, talk about what your journey is what's your hero's journey that got you down this road got you helping people and interested in this field um, I was an early student of consciousness and psychology and the brain. Um, I started studying it when I was in junior high school. I was about 13 years old. And I was also studying spirituality at that time. Mm -hmm. And uh, by the time I got to college, I created my own major uh, in, in human consciousness. And so I graduated with a degree in human consciousness back in 1975. As mm -hmm. far as I know, it was the first degree granted in that field. Wow. And that was good. I was on the bleeding edge because now there's lots of universities that teach about it. Mm. Um, but it also created a problem, which is that I couldn't find a job. Nobody was hiring people with degrees in consciousness studies. <laughs> so, so I got a job, uh, just any job I could, selling jewelry and gift items to stores. And I traveled around the Southwest for about a year and a half trying to figure out what I, what do I really want to do. Um, and then an incident happened when I was 26 in which a guy who I trusted and was traveling with me for three days pulled out a gun and shot me in the head four times. Holy crap. Yeah. That's four bullets to the head. Yeah. Wow. And uh, that changed my life. Um, yeah. And, uh, and uh, interestingly, after that happened, it's a very dramatic story, which we could go into if you wanted. But um, after that happened, I wanted a real job. And so I got a job as a headhunter. Uh, which is kind of ironic, right? After having your head hunted. To be yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, taking four bullets to the head is is a tough job. So I'm, I can see why you switched. Yeah. I don't know why um, I'm making bullets to the head jokes, but uh, there they are. That's all right. How did you survive that, by the way? I mean, we we kind of have to clear that error on that just a little yeah, bit because right now the whole audience is like, "What the <laughs> fuck?" And how how are you still here? Yeah. Um, well, first of all. Uh, he, we were inside of a van. He was 11 feet away with his gun, with his hand propped up. I was stuck in the back of the van in a crouch position. And mm -hmm. by all rights and physics, I should be dead. Um, the first bullet hit me and uh, creased my skull. And I, I was shocked, obviously, because I wasn't expecting that. Uh, and, and then he shot again. And I realized I was going to die because I couldn't I, there was nothing I could do to defend myself or get back at him. Mm -hmm. And so I prepared for death. Uh, wow. Even though I was 26, I said, well, okay, this is it. I might as well die well. And so I went through my past and I, I asked forgiveness from everybody I had hurt and forgave everybody that had hurt me. Mm -hmm. And uh, he shot a third time. And the second and third bullets missed me by fractions of an inch. Okay. Um, and But I was already out of my body because I was saying, okay, I'm coming home, God, and this love light golden love light was flowing through me and I was out of my body looking down at this little van where this ant these antics were going on. Uh, I thought it was amusing. Uh, and then he shot a fourth time and uh, suddenly I was back in my body. My head was pushed to the side, blood was rushing down. And, uh, but I felt intact. I thought that's weird. I'm supposed to be out of my body. I mean, I knew enough about death. Like I'm supposed to be that direction. Why am I back here? Mm -hmm. um, and uh, and so I was kind of checking myself out, and I felt okay, except my head hurt a lot. And so I picked up my head and turned to look at him because I wanted to look at my assassin in the eyes before I died. Mm -hmm. And he freaked out. He jumped up and he said, why aren't you dead, man? You're supposed to be dead. Wow. And I didn't have a good answer for that question. Uh, yeah. Plus, so, you were a little busy at the time. Yeah, yeah. 
and uh, I, and then he said, "That's too weird, man. It's just like my dream." And I said, <sighs> "What what dream?" And he said, I, "I dreamt this morning I was shooting at this guy, and he wouldn't die. But it wasn't you; it was somebody else in the dream." And at this point, I thought, "Okay, who's writing this script? How did I get in this movie?" And I don't remember signing a contract. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like my first nine marriages. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I thought, well, if I could keep him talking, maybe he won't shoot me. And so I began very slowly talking to him, and he kept saying, "Why aren't you dead, man? I shot you four times. Why aren't you dead?" And I just kept saying, "Maybe I'm not supposed to be dead." To cut a very long story short, we ended up talking for eight hours after that incident. Holy at, crap! At one point, he decided to take me to the hospital, and then he, after driving a while, he stopped and he said, "I can't take you to the hospital." Uh, and I said, "Why not?" And he said, "Because then they put put me back in jail. I have to kill you." And so we had another round of conversation. Wow. And so through that eight hours, we found our way out of the situation. He didn't really want to kill me. I didn't really want to die. Uh, he didn't want to go back to jail. So we negotiated our way out of the situation. And eight hours later, he let me go and I let him go. Wow. That and is, think, yeah. that'll, you know, that you study consciousness. That's a, that's a whole new level of consciousness right there. Yes, it is. Yeah, there you go. All right, so we we solved that riddle. We can't leave. We can't be left on that cliffhanger of how you escaped that. But that that I, that's impactful in your story and your journey and how you got here. So uh, you 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 mentioned just a little bit about where you gone next. You decided to find a real job. I, I found guess. a real job as and became a headhunter. That was my career for twenty five years. Um, and but all during that time, I was researching consciousness because I had had a pretty dramatic experience. Yeah. And I want to understand, you know, who are we? What are we made of? How do we? Why did why did his life turn into his being a killer, and my life turned into being a hippie salesman who's now a headhunter? <laughs> it's like so none of it made sense. But but I knew that there were answers, and so I studied everything I could: psychology, the personal development, philosophy, religions. I just kept studying and studying and studying. And realized after all that, that beliefs were at the core of the problem, mm -hmm. that his life created beliefs for him that resulted in him taking those actions. My beliefs resulted in my life being in that place and that that was the key factor. And so then I really focused on beliefs to, to understand them. And after a lot of years of research, realized how to clear them out of the psyche completely. There you go. Uh, <laughs> it was good you went to college and trained on consciousness, so you're, you know, you're aptly prepared for. I mean, I know I don't think anyone's fully prepared for that, but at least you, you know, you could have some wits about you to uh, to get that going on. Um, so let's talk about uh, what you do and how and how you help clients. Um, the the uh, what what do you find most people when they come to you? They're they're dealing with. They're trying to overcome that you're great at helping people, uh, 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 you know, achieve over? Well, everyone has something they want to achieve, something that they want more of or something they want less of. Like I have mm -hmm. a disease and I want less of that. Or I have some money, but I want more money. Or I have a career, but I want to be better in my career. That's and me, so, more money. <laughs> so everybody's got those things, what they want and what they don't want, what they want more of, what they want to avoid. And so I basically start there and say, okay, what's your vision? Where do you want to go? Where do you want to be? And what's in your way? Mm -hmm. What's in your way is the answer to the question, what do you believe? And then we find out what the belief is that got 
that thing in your way. So for example, baby's in a crib crying and mom comes in and takes care of her. And that happens often enough and she forms the belief non-verbally, this isn't a mental construct, it's experiential. Uh, if I cry and make a fuss, I'll be taken care of. That's a first belief for a baby. And it's a good belief for a baby. Now, some the problem is, is that beliefs don't just disappear when you replace them. They just get pushed down into the subconscious. So you probably know someone, uh, and some people in the audience may be someone, who still uses that belief to get attention. If I cry and make a fuss, I'll get my needs cared for. I think that you described all of social media. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, uh, so that's a core belief that formed very early in childhood before uh, words, before language, before even memories formed. But we can go there and find those core beliefs and then clear them. And it's like uh, we, we look through our beliefs like uh, colored lenses, like sunglasses. You know, if you change from green to yellow sunglasses, you're going to see a different world. And if you change the, the, the belief from life is hard to life is joy, you're going to see a different world. So we clear the old beliefs and then replace them with much better beliefs at the person's choice. The person gets to decide what they want to believe instead, what belief would give them the experience they want in life. Mm -hmm. There you go. Uh, you know, it's interesting to me. I remember decades ago, I think it was in the 80, 89 or 90s when I first saw Tony Robbins when he was just starting out. And he, he talked about how two people can go to a party and one person can be in a very negative mindset and see negative things and they go to a party and they see how everyone's bored everyone hates it no one seems to be having fun and what they expect or the expectations their belief are what they see and they come around and they go that party sucked right and another party person can go to the party and they can see the vibrancy the fun the happiness the joy you know people uh People, you know, doing stuff at the party, having a good time. And uh, and they can go, hey, that party was really awesome, man. That was an awesome party. And the two can meet and they argue over, like, that was a good party tonight. No, it sucked. And you're just like, so belief systems really shape how our perception is of things, which shapes our reality. Is that true? Exactly. In fact, I'll give you a direct uh, experience that I had once. I walked into a party and I was looking forward to it. Uh, I knew there was going to be a lot of people I, w I knew. And I walked in the door and I immediately felt weird. It was just there with my whole body was vibrating. I didn't know what was going on, but I wanted to just run out the door the other direction. And But having the technology that I have, I, I said, okay, something weird's going on. Uh, something got triggered. I sat down right near the door, closed my eyes. I felt the experience because you have to start with feelings, the felt sense of what's happening. Because if you push that away, you don't get to find, you don't get the information. So I really sat and I felt it and I felt it and I felt it. And then I asked, what belief are you? And immediately I heard, I don't belong here. Huh. Now, I knew that I had had that belief as a kid. I didn't belong and I had cleared it, but something triggered it in this particular case. I didn't know whether it was maybe a smell or somebody's hand wave or seeing someone I had some unfinished business with. I didn't know and it didn't matter. But what I knew is how to clear that belief. So I cleared, I don't belong here. And I installed, I belong here. Hmm. And then open, I stood up, opened my eyes. I was in a completely different party. People were warm and friendly. They oh, were wow. old and weird. And they were waving me over saying, hey, Lion, come on over. I was now in a party that I could enjoy. And that's one of the technologies we teach people is how to instantly change your state because of, you know, something got triggered and it's just an old belief. 
There you go, too. And if and how you appear, or how you present yourself, is also how people will treat you. So if you'd stayed in a negative state uh, and appeared to be unhappy and unfriendly and unsocial, and you know you're not really looking at anybody, you're frowning. You know, people wouldn't invite you over or say, "Come here." And yeah. then after that party, you'd be like, "Everyone's ignoring me and being whatever." And it's like, no, you were you you look like you were you're having a resting bitch face, and you know. People are like, we better leave him alone. He looks like he's in a bad mood, which is pretty much me every morning for coffee. Uh, so that's very interesting how that man how that maintains and manifests your your uh, relationship not only with and to inside of yourself and your mind and your expectations, but also to how that how that mirrors in the real world and shapes everything and you experience and you and you view. Absolutely. And people come to me and they say, well, I've got a real problem with my husband or my wife. Uh, can you fix them? You know? mm -hmm. <laughs> How can I change their beliefs? And my, my answer is you can't unless they want to change. However, you can change your beliefs about them. And that often changes the relationship. And every time when we clear someone's beliefs about the other person and the beliefs about themselves, the relationship changes because the relationship's a function of who we are, how we present ourselves, and how we respond. There you go. Uh, so the one thing you do is you uh, do trauma-informed therapeutic coaching. What's trauma-informed mean? Trauma-informed means that we understand the nature of trauma. Mm -hmm. We understand the nature of the mind. We understand mm -hmm. how traumas program beliefs into people. Because a child who's being beaten over and over by their fathers has to explain it to themselves in some way. Mm -hmm. And a child can't blame their parents. So a child doesn't say, wow, mom and dad are really screwed up. They should have gotten therapy before they got married. And, <laughs> and then they need, they should have gotten marriage counseling you know, before they had me. Uh, so yeah. a child can't do that. They're, they don't have that mind for it. But what they can do is come up with why they are the problem. There must be something wrong with me that I'm being treated uh. this way. And so these self-beliefs are, are very early and formed by traumas and by circumstances that you know, everybody faces in childhood. So trauma can really mess you up in your life, or it can be what's called post-traumatic growth. And post-traumatic growth is where you have an experience, you work through it, you clear it out, you learn the lesson, and now you're a better person for it. So we're really trafficking in post-traumatic growth when we work with trauma. We're switching it around from the bad experience that happened to me and I'm a victim to here's the lesson I learned, like, you know, dad was beating me because he was drunk, not because I'm a bad person. So we're going down and really we're working with the that deep infrastructure, the programs that the person acquired in their childhood. There you go. It's interesting to me, and 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 you know all the interviews and, and discussions we found on the show, how much uh, trauma really shapes people in their life, and how much sometimes what they what what is trauma they don't think about as trauma. Um, they discount it. They go, I, you know, I don't, I don't know. That was really trauma. Um, you know, some people. You know, somebody, somebody on the show the other day said more people have PTSD than they thought. Uh, and so uh, you can really see how trauma shapes the core of your life, your relationships and everything else, especially childhood trauma. And it's sometimes only until you look back across your life and go, wow, man, maybe that childhood stuff had some impact. Indeed. Yeah. And there used to just be 
physical trauma, war trauma, but now trauma is much better understood and categorized. So for example, there's developmental trauma. Development means your development has been interfered with. Like uh -huh. parents are supposed to care for a child and if they don't care for the child because of they're too busy or they've got other things going or there's 12 children or there's a, a drunk in the house or mental illness, that child does not get what they need as they're developing. And that's a form of trauma. There's intergenerational trauma where the, where the traumas of our grandparents or parents are coming down into us. Holocaust survivors are, are a good example of that. That mm -hmm. the children of Holocaust uh, survivors had a lot of trauma even though they didn't go through the Holocaust. So yeah. there's all kinds of traumas, uh, mental, emotional, physical, even spiritual trauma. So uh, we now understand more about it and it's basically the things that went wrong. Because if the mm -hmm. things went right, you were loved, you were held, you were seen, you were supported, you were encouraged to be yourself. You know, that's a non-traumatic life. And very few of us had that. What? You mean that was an option? <laughs> I didn't get that option. No, I'm just kidding. My parents tried. Uh, you know, all parents try to do their best. I, well, I think do. most, most it, parents try to do their best. But it, doesn't mean they, it doesn't mean they did well. It that's just, true. It was the best they could do. Yeah. There you go. There you go. And sometimes uh, in life, especially with generational trauma and other things. So, um, I mean, without getting into, you know, a deep sort of session, uh, what are some of the ways that you kind of uh, topically help people with uh, heal their trauma, identify it, I suppose, is a big proponent and, and, and help work with them to heal their trauma? We use a form uh, of um, guided imagery where we guide them through a process that goes back into memory and we're able to go back into memories that are subconscious below mm -hmm. the conscious level. Often people say, oh my God, I didn't remember that until just now. Um, and we basically rework the experience. Um, in psychology, it's called memory reconsolidation. Oh. They've discovered in psychology that you can undo a memory, change it and redo it so that it reconsolidates in a new form. So, for mm -hmm. example, if, if a father was beaten and the child says, I'm, I'm a terrible person, otherwise I wouldn't get being beaten, we go back in time and help the adult self help the child self by getting them out of that situation and talking to them and saying, look, it's, it's not you. you. You're a perfectly great kid. Your father's drunk. He's got a lot of suffering inside of him and he's taken it out on you. It doesn't have to do with you. And when the inner child understands that, something relaxes because they've changed their perspective. They've dropped the belief. It must be because I'm bad. And now the person is freed from that trauma. So we're not working with the trauma directly. We're working with the beliefs that were composed during the trauma. There you go. Now you mentioned the developmental trauma. So basically when trauma happens, do we get locked into an undeveloped state? Does that lock us into a certain level? It can. Yes, it can. So um, there's a thing called abandonment trauma and adoption trauma. And they're pretty much simultaneous because if you're adopted, even if under the best circumstances, your mom couldn't take care of you, she gives you to loving people who then take you out of the womb and take you home and raise you as a great kid, you still have abandonment trauma because oh. you were inside that mother for nine months and now she's separated from you and is gone. So wow. that, that is a traumatic experience to an infant, even though they don't, their mind isn't fully developed yet, but they can feel the separation. 
What's supposed to happen is the mother takes you and holds you and makes you feel comfortable and takes care of you and, and gets uh, regulates your nervous system and shows you how to be a person. And yeah. whatever interrupts that process, mm -hmm. that's traumatic. That's, I guess that really explains. I, I've had friends that were adopted and they try to seek out their um, birth parents mm -hmm. and they're really obsessed with it. And I, I've kind of understood kind of why, but that makes even more sense now that there's there's actually delinking there that needs, yes. they're, they're looking to fill that void or chasm and make that connection again and why it's so important. Um, and, and that makes sense, you know, um, it, it, it's so amazing how some of these things that we don't really think of, you know, a mother holding her baby, uh, breastfeeding, you know, connections with the child and, and, and the things that go on neurologically in the brain when we see each other's faces or a child sees his mother's face, or even when a mother sees their, 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 their baby, they, they have a dopamine, I think hit or a chemical response in their brain too. That, that helps pair bond them and bind them to each other. Um, right. Yeah. Unlike me, I, I saw my kids and sent them to military school day one. No, I'm just kidding. They'll be back in 18 years. It's going to be fine. I don't have kids, people. That's a joke. Yeah, and he won't be mad at you either. He, he understands you completely. <laughs> he does. He, he's not going to look me up after this. He's be like, I've seen them. Yeah, I spent most of my childhood pushing I was adopted, but, you know, whatever. My, my siblings are okay. Uh, let's just let's just leave it at that. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's a there's a very famous experiment called the still face experiment, which is quite dramatic. Really, uh, you can find it on YouTube. Uh, basically, they took a baby and a mother who's who were really connected, and then they had the mother turn away and come back and just be still faced, like no reaction, and the baby's going what's going on here? And they reach out and then they, they scream because it's like, what's happening? And they, their body tenses up. It's like, you can see the, the, wow. the trauma, even just the mother not responding. Wow. And when you see it that level, you go, Oh my God, you know, how many times did my mother look at me and go, go play, you know, I'm not going to take care of you right now. So we've, we've all had this kind of experience as children and, it does impact us. And we come up with beliefs about ourselves and beliefs about other people and beliefs about the world from these early experiences. There you go. I wonder how much that shapes when, when fathers are removed from the home, which seems to have gotten popular in the last few years. You know, yeah. I know the impact of not having a father in the home because fathers bring a different um, developmental thing <laughs> than women do. They both I mean, it's it's we're, it's supposed to be both it's, so that they bring the thing and, and there's full development not only from relationship basis but from a development basis absolutely you know, and and i wonder how much that impacts the case because I, i've seen what the end life is of not having a father in the home and and what that looks like in in i've dated all my life I, i've seen what that looks like um and and so in fact it's gotten to the point where i can be like you didn't have a father when you were growing up huh single parent huh um, it'll be like, yeah, how'd you know? Like, yeah, I can tell. Right. Uh, so, it really um, messes, messes with our relationship understanding and our, our understanding of who I am and who they are and who loves me and who doesn't love me. Yeah. Uh, fathers become more and more important as the child gets older. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but a, a missing father is like, a, like missing a limb. I mean, it's really yeah. significant, especially in the shaping of men, because, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. I roll in tribes of men being a masculine man and, and, uh, you know, I mean, we're men, 
that's what we do and and I, I see a lot of it especially in gaming communities where you know we're going out and killing it's basically the virtual version of tribing up as cavemen right. and, and killing stuff uh and achieving stuff and doing things and i see that i see you know especially if i meet a man who's very emotional and in his feminine uh almost all the time uh and completely crippled um it, it, I'll, I'll be I'll, I'll normally you know find out that he was raised by a single mother and there was no father in the home and i'll be like okay you didn't have an alpha male or a male that was around you to teach you that and even worse there wasn't someone to teach him the balance between uh, when a men and women are in a relationship together and how they and how they make that work or sometimes maybe they're their situation was toxic so yeah. that's a very interesting how that turns out now i you talk in your book about chakras and stuff do we want to delve a little bit into some of that work that you sure do? that's that's my book on manifestation called creating on purpose mm -hmm. and i wrote it with my dear friend anadea judith who's an expert on the chakras and i was an expert on manifestation and we got together and wrote this book using the chakras as a model for the manifestation process Mm -hmm. So when you want to bring an idea into reality, that's manifestation. Mm -hmm. um, from a chakra point of view, we're connected at the seventh chakra, the top chakra, to spirit. And that's where ideas come from. Ideas just come to us, right? We're, we, we, we don't necessarily think them up. Sometimes they just come. Uh, but then how do you bring that idea into reality? Well, first you have to bring it down into vision. You have to have a clear vision of it. Otherwise, it's just a fuzzy concept. And then you need to speak about it to other people and listen to their feedback and shape it and bring it into more reality. And then you move it down into relationship. That's the heart chakra. And in relationship, you need relationships to make anything work in this world. Even if you're an artist, a solo artist, you need a gallery and you need paint suppliers. And so you have to be in relationship in order to manifest anything. And then you move down into the power chakra, which is will. And that's where you actually start moving the world. You design a house, you can design a house in your head, but at some point you have to start moving bricks and wood and glass into a location and having gotten the social approvals of the, of the, the uh, department that, that manages housing um, and get your permits and all that. So you're in a social environment, but then you can start moving the world. You can start moving physical stuff. And then no matter what you're manifesting, problems come up old other things in the way like i want to build my house here but there's a 12 ton rock in the, <laughs> you know where i want to build my house so you have to have the passion that's the second chakra to move it forward to keep going when the tough times happen and then the first chakra is your base chakra at your pelvis but it's also connected to your legs and that's where you take one step at a time moving forward toward your destination so we describe this in the book and it's a workbook, so you can find out where you're stuck in the manifestation process, how to get unstuck and start moving forward to manifest your dream or your idea or the reality you want to create. There you go. I think there's a song about it. So the one chakra is connected to the other chakra. Wait, that might not be the same song. Um, <laughs> but it works. So it does. I, you know, I, I've had my uh, masseuses explain the chakra thing to me over the years. And, of course, I feel much better after a massage. Um, in fact, I'm, I'm less murderous after yes. a massage. Yeah. So, well, I, this week. I know exactly what you're talking about. A murder or a massage? Both. Yeah, both. <laughs> oh, both. It's, it's good to combine and, and uh, do the things. Um, but yeah, I, my, in fact, my employees, if I didn't have my weekly massage on Saturday for an hour or two, I think it was two hours, um, where I just basically fall the hell asleep, like halfway through it, I'd just be like zonked. 
And uh, especially if you rub my face. I don't know what is with rubbing my head and my face. I will fall asleep. Like, I, I don't know if it's because of the nerves that are up here. You know, those those nerves that are in your face. Well, I wouldn't be surprised if your mother didn't stroke your head to get you ah, to go to sleep. My mother did do a thing with us as kids. That she would lay in bed with be my brother and me. We shared the same room, but she would lay in bed with us and scratch her back, and she would sing us a song to sleep, and she would do that to each of us. And so maybe that's why. Um, maybe that's why. Uh, that I like, you know, having my back rubbed and scratched and, and yeah, I've fallen asleep to it. Um, but yeah, I, I fell asleep and I would sometimes be awoken and the masseuse would be like, you're snoring really loud. <laughs> Knock it off. This, this is not relaxing at all for me. And I'm like, wait, it's supposed to be relaxing for you, me, what? Uh, so there you go. Uh, what have we touched on, uh, in some of the ways you help your clients and, uh, help people overcome some of the traumas we are. Oh, one question I have for you. Well, you can bulk this in if you want, but, uh, one way it looks like you help entrepreneurs, uh, achieve what they desire and get in their subconscious mind. So I don't know if you want to cross both those bridges. Sure. Actually that combines my, my passions, uh, because entrepreneurs are trying to manifest something. They're trying to mm. create something new and they get stuck. And mm -hmm. no matter what you want to create, if you want to write a book or you want to start a company or you want to create a new product, that is a manifestation process. And people get stuck and stopped more by inner inner processes, inner beliefs, inner talk, and the self-talk that people do to themselves than by any external circumstances. So entrepreneurs, I love entrepreneurs. I'm an entrepreneur. So that you have the passion and the will to get something done to make something new in the world and so i love working with entrepreneurs because they have the drive and the passion they have often the understanding and the intelligence they're just missing the part where they have to be nice to people <laughs> or they're what? missing part <laughs> they're yeah, missing be nice part. to people too on top of all the crap i have to do as an entrepreneur Actually, I've got a great story for you. I was working with this guy who came to me. He was a multimillionaire. And he was a multimillionaire because he made millions, then he lost millions. And he made millions, he lost millions in his ventures. And he was tired of the pattern. And they call me the subconscious pattern detective. <clears throat> so working with him after a few sessions, I took him back in time to find out what was this thing causing this pattern. And he suddenly remembered being three years old, walking on the streets of New York with his mom, hand in hand. And he looked down and he saw a shiny penny. And he got very excited and he reached down to pick it up and his mother jerked him back and said, don't touch that. It's dirty. And he suddenly realized that's why he couldn't hold on to his money because it was dirty and he shouldn't touch it. Wow. Yeah. Holy crap. That's powerful. Wow. He didn't have to lose money after that. <laughs> Isn't it interesting how stuff in our childhood can shape us, man? Yeah. I mean, it really, the impact it has. And, you know, I mean, at, at 50, 50, I could look back across my life and go, you should see a psychiatrist when you're like 16, Chris. Come on, man. Um, you know, I have really bad ADHD and uh, I don't know. I was raised in a cult. So uh, <laughs> I had some some brain damage um you haven't yeah. done too badly for yourself and you've you've spread you've spread yourself out to to give your gifts to the world so thank you for that thank you i appreciate that and i, I just fake it till i make it the rest of the time i'm i'm at the psychiatry office and he's uh we're scheduling a lobotomy for next week uh so there Good you go that. <laughs> well i mean 
Not like I'm going to know anything after that. You, know. you know what they say. I'd, I'd rather have a free bottle in front of me than a prefrontal lobotomy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Well, he is doing the discount version. I think he's just going to take a hanger and rummage around it up my nose. Uh, so there you go. Uh, which is, you know, Fridays around here. I don't know what the hell that means. Uh, so this has been wonderful uh, to have you on the show, Lion, and interesting to uh, to do. Why, why did your uh, parents name you Lion? That's a very unique name. I think I'm curious about that. Well, they didn't name me Lion. They, oh. they they gave me an assumed name. And okay. by that, I mean that they assumed I would like it when I grew up. And I didn't. Uh, so I changed my name at 19. Uh, oh, did so, you? Yeah. Well, there you go. Well, you're living the life of a lion. And uh, you're roaming about the, uh, the uh, Serengeti and uh, changing the world and uh, helping people create their purpose and stuff. Any final thoughts as we go out? Final pitch out. Uh, my favorite thing to say in summary is that if you don't like some part of your life, examine your beliefs. Mm. If you're having a hard time in your relationship, examine your beliefs about that person, about relationships, about yourself. If you're having a hard time manifesting something in the world and bringing, creating what you want in life, examine your beliefs. That's where it starts. It always starts with awareness of what the underlying programs are. Once you identify them, Come back to me. I can help you clear them out of the way. There you go. So how can people reach out to you and get to know you better, buy your books, et cetera, et cetera? Uh, LionGoodman.com is the easiest way to get to me. Uh, it's L-I-O-N, Goodman. Uh, that gives access to all of my other websites. And uh, so that's the, I have a coaching page there. I have articles, including the article and the description of my near-death experience. So it's a rich source. That's the best place to go. If people are interested in learning my technology, they can go to clearbeliefs.com. And that is my training program. There you go. Now, you have most of your books on Amazon, but this Clear Your Clients Limiting Beliefs that we're featuring today, uh, that's a, is that a free book they have to get it's, on your website? They can't yeah, find it on Amazon? That's right. It's a free ebook on clearbeliefs.com. So that's a, uh, I invite you to go there and find the free ebook page and sign up and you'll get it right away. It's a very cool book. There you go. Awesome sauce. And, you know, uh, being able to clear your clients' limiting beliefs can really help you because, I mean, over the years, I mean, I've, I've had wonderful clients and great clients I've always enjoyed, but sometimes, you know, uh, helping them uh, maybe with their beliefs, help them be more successful just helps you be more successful. And uh, clients that are happy and fulfilled will usually stick with you longer because they like you. Absolutely. Uh, and when you, can, like yeah, when you can create transformation in your clients, that's what they're looking for. There's plenty of information out there. We don't need more information. People want transformation. They want their life to be changed. And this technology enables people to do that. So yeah. that's what's cool. It's not always about selling products. It's about making people's lives better and giving them, make them feel good about their lives. Uh, I, I can look back across many of my corporations and products and the way we tried to deliver them. was It wasn't just about the widget. Um, it wasn't about the service. It was about the, you know, the widget improving the quality of their lives from a feeling aspect or an aspect of where they're like, you made my life easier. Yeah. And I appreciate that because life is hard enough as it is. Indeed. So thank you, uh, Lion, for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Chris. It's been a great pleasure. There you go. And go check out all of his books. You can check out all of them on Amazon and then get the one on his website, Clear Your Clients limiting beliefs and clear your own limiting beliefs while you're at it. So it's a twofer, if you will. <laughs> help your clients help yourself. It's a, it's a buffet. There you go, folks. Uh, thanks, Manus, for tuning in. Thanks to Lion for being here. 
And uh, go to goodreads.com, Fortress Chris Foss, YouTube.com, Fortress Chris Foss, LinkedIn.com, Fortress Chris Foss, and TikTok.com, Fortress Chris Foss. Thanks for being here, folks. Be good to each other. Stay safe, and we'll see you guys next time. And that should have us out, man. <laughs>